0: You're listening to Dog People, a podcast about the Japanese punk bands going steady and Ginan Boys. I'm your host, Bob Vielma, here with my co host Adam Passion out in, in out in Nagoya, Japan. Hello. Yo, I am out in Nagoya, Japan. We also have Mike Huguenot repping the four oh eight Yay area, San Ho. What's going on, Mike? I uh, I've
1: been yiking recently. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you been making
1: that
2: Yaper? Yes. Dude, when you guys like use that barrier slang, you remind me of that video. Have you seen that video of the guys trying to read the guys in Baltimore trying to read the phrase, Aaron earned an iron urn? Have you seen that one before? I have, yes.
1: I think it was described to me, but I don't think I've actually seen the video. They just
2: go, Aaron earned
0: iron urn. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be Aaron earned an iron urn. And then the main guy who's reading it, he was like, he's like, what the fuck do we talk like that <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it makes me sound like that's what I, whenever you guys talk embarrassed slang, I'm like damn do we talk like that so <laughs> I say bottom accents say this phrase out loud
1: earn mm. earn and earn earn mm-hmm. hold on my earn earn
2: earn earn and <laughs> iron earn damn what the fuck we really talk like that all right, guys. Well, so today I want, to, um, I want to kick it off for you guys. So there has been a kind of big this, – this loose thread that we haven't actually um, taken care of yet throughout this whole podcast. And uh, before I get to that, I have another loose thread. So we've been on this kind of hunt the whole time for these uh, Operation Ivy covers that supposedly exist – nobody knows and i don't want to get your hopes up too much but i do want some i want you guys to hear this so i'm going to play a song for you right now (laughs) uh so here we go you guys ready
0: oh yeah we're ready
2: Oh. Have you have you ever heard this song? I mean not that song, but this this particular track. No. I don't think I've ever heard that cover before. Tell us more. Yeah. Alright, well I don't I mean I, I don't want to disappoint you guys. It's not exactly going steady, but it is going steady guitarist Asai Takeo playing on that. Nice. So, okay. Okay. Oh dude. So um, this is the thread that I think has been hanging out this whole time is that we haven't really talked about him and he's, I think, maybe one of the most important members of Going Steady and we talked a little bit about his involvement in the band but we didn't talk about what he went on to do after that and we didn't talk about, um, we didn't really even talk about how instrumental he is in the band and so I kind of wanted to do an episode talking about him um, because I've always had this kind of kind of weird obsession with him, maybe because he's the mysterious member that I've, I've never met. I don't really know that much about him. So I started doing some digging and uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about with you guys today. So that was obviously the song Jaded and it's by a band called Mill Nuts. And here is the album for our podcast, everybody. This is called Mill Nuts. And <laughs> this band, I couldn't find it anywhere, um, like streaming or on YouTube or like really any any kind of even sliver of it. Have you guys ever heard of this band, Mill Nuts? I got to say, yes.
0: And the drummer w- used to play in Snail Ramp.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. So that's, yeah. So this <laughs> this band, Mill Nuts, is kind of a super group um, because it was put together by a bunch of bands that were all active in that scene at the same time. But they all broke up around the same time, too. So, you know, Snail Ramp, they broke up in 2002. And so, yeah, as you said, Bob Ishimaru, he was, I think, the drummer from Snail Ramp. He joined, and then, uh, so Asai from Going Steady, and then they also are joined by somebody, and this is from a band that I know you both know, uh, the singer from Duck Missile. Oh, yeah. Whoa. So his name is Dynamite, and Duck Missile, I remember, Bob, I remember you playing that for us, and Mike, I remember you and I talking, like, using that as one of the examples of the totally absurd Japanese band names that were <laughs> around at that time. We were always like, it was like a go-to joke. We were always like, yeah, like duck missile, <laughs> like super butter dog and stuff. So, um, dude,
0: duck missile,
2: duck missile sounds
0: exactly like operation Ivy.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Duck missile was actually, I mean, in a lot of reviews and stuff around that time, they were called the operation Ivy of Japan. Um, mm. in my opinion, they're actually kind of almost like a blatant rip off of, um, operation ivy in some ways so i'm going to play a song for you right now that i think is really clearly influenced by operation ivy so here we go yep yeah so they've they've got that total kind of uh matt freeman kind of sound there with like the you know definitely bass bass lines and stuff and um he even makes a lot of the same sounds like little and stuff like that that are like you can't really bite that kind of style from somebody i think (laughs) um
0: so yeah so this was a group dude adam what's up adam can i interrupt just for a moment yo I thought I was the only freak with like a knowledge of some of this dumb shit and it really warms my heart to know that you have dug very deep for this shit I'm so stoked on it
2: <laughs> yeah
0: man I have
2: I, I I think you're gonna be happy with the way this episode goes it's got a lot of that kind of uh kind of these deep cuts so yeah um yeah so so this band it was duck missile um snail ramp and going steady people right at the top of their game kind of you know they had all just broken up and kind of they they formed this band together so mill nuts now bob you're you're aware of the band but have you actually heard that album before
0: so this is a deep level of nerdery asian man records used to get tons of those demo cds from japan okay in like the early 2000s because he still had kind of had like the residual connections through pot shot and all that stuff sure and i think that guy ishimaru also played briefly in poly six mm. so somehow i got the milnut i got the milnut cd from asian man who was like putting out poly six at the time okay okay and i heard it i heard it and i wasn't into it and i i probably got rid of it in a purge over the last 15 years at one point i had like the demo cd i'm pretty sure so i may have
2: your copy because i couldn't find it anywhere <laughs> online and um, I just, I, I was like, how am I going to hear this? And I checked on Book Off. If you guys know Book Off, it's like, you know, the big, I mean, Bob, of course, you know Yeah. It, but, and Book Off, <laughs> these were like 130 yen for this CD. So That's so tight. So I bought it on <laughs> there. So yeah. cheap. Um, but yeah, I think this was put out by, it was put out by a label called Velvet Snoozer. And I think this was like their first or second release that was not, so Velvet Snoozer was a band that was put out by a um, uh. I forgot the name of the band, but a punk band here in in Japan. Um, And all of their releases were just their own band uh, other than this, as far as I know. So, and this came out in 2004, I think. So it would have been hot off the heels of, of Going Steady's breakup. So that's what I want to play for you next is a song off of here, because there's one song on here that was completely written by Asai, Mm. words and music and everything. And, the fact that this came out just a year within within a year of going steady breaking up makes me feel like this song that he put on here he probably already had kind of locked and loaded to like do recording with going steady i would have i I would imagine so i want you to hear this just to kind of hear how much of the sound of the going steady sound is all from Asai. so this is a song called take girl
1: it does sound a lot like uh like boys and girls kind of era um
2: going steady for sure. Bob, what do you think?
0: It sounds a little like the singles era going steady to me too, kind of like a, mm. like the crunchy weezeriness of it and the you know, it sounds like it could have been like the Dote so young B-side or something almost. Yep, that's exactly yeah. what I thought
2: when I heard it. It sounds like going steady just before they broke up to me.
0: His guitar playing, for sure, sounds like it. A lot of those, like a uh, a lot of those leads and stuff that he's doing, yeah, it's kind of kind of unmistakably him.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, and so when I heard this song, I was just thinking, it sounds like a lost single, almost. Like if I found it on a lost going steady single, I would totally believe that it was. Yeah. theirs, um, and it got me thinking about that in particular, just because, you know, we did. You know, when we've talked to the to the band and we've got some information from them and the band was formed with just Mineta and Asai first, you know, when they were in, in trade school together. And the other guys came, I think, you know, Abiko came a year later and then I think Murai came two years later maybe. So when you think about that, like the DNA of what makes a Going Steady song, you know, Mineta said Going Steady was his first band and when he started it, he couldn't even play guitar. He didn't know how to, how to make a chord, which leads me to believe that not only is Asai like a founding member, but he's like the founding member. I I almost feel like he created the sound that would carry through going steady. Mm. And um, of course, of course these other guys, you know, when they joined later, like Abiko's bass is, is quintessentially like going steady part of the sound. I th- I think that there was kind of a gestalt thing when, when everybody else joined, but the core of what makes a going steady song might be the songwriting of Asai Takeo, in my opinion. <laughs> that's a, a
1: interesting and uh, that, that rocks. That's a, that's a great, um, this song is a great key to that too, I think. Yeah, it sounds so much like Going Steady um, and like the hallmarks of Going Steady and like the, the melodicism of Going Steady and stuff too and like... Uh, I feel like I had seen the name millnuts around, and maybe, Bob, you showed it to me or like
0: told me about it or something, but I don't know if I had ever actually heard them. Hmm. It's a deep cut for sure. I, I bet we're sending some kids right now to discogs.com to go look for that millnut CD. <laughs> some of the super fans <laughs> are going to want to hear this. Um, no, Adam, what you were saying about the guitar playing, if I kind of use your idea as like the stepping stone, it's like... You hear Asai's playing, and it's very definitive, especially how it develops over the course of Going Steady's, you know, time as a band. It's kind of straightforward in a certain way on Boys and Girls, but then he starts really getting a definitive sound through, like, you know, Tokyo Shonen and Ahondara Koshin Kyoku and songs like that around, like, Sakura no Uta, and then through all those singles at the end, he does a lot of those, like, double-picked leads and just, like, stuff high up on the neck. It's really cool. And then you, you think about Cheen stepping in and Cheen kind of has a similar busy style that's a little more like funky, a little more unhinged. Yeah. But he was able to kind of like take these songs and make them his own while still like shining in a very cool way. Mm-hmm. And then afterward, I love a lot of these new boy songs, but none of the guitar work has ever caught me in the same way. And I guess I never went backwards in that sense to think about how like, wow, Asai was like starting out so hot and Cheen made it look like it wasn't so hot because he kind of was able to match the the flavor and then now the absence of it you're like oh yeah for real he really had something cool going
2: yeah i i totally agree with that yeah i mean it's that there's a when you hear it without Cheen i think you put it perfectly right like without Cheen now you realize how much he was carrying Asai's weight like because you know when Asai left the band and um, and I think the good, the guys who are playing now are very accomplished musicians by, you know, by any metric, but they don't have that same, just kind of unhinged style and stuff. And like you said, those, those final songs, like Kake no and stuff like that, like that they were putting out at the end, like those are, some, that's some of the best guitar work and it's such a unique sound. And, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I wanted to like follow is like, You know, they broke up at the very, very peak of their popularity, right? Like, all of the Mm -hmm. last three singles broke the top five in the Oricon charts here. They were headlining these huge festivals, um, you know, and after the breakup, you know, it's not really recorded anywhere, like, what the reason was. There's a lot of speculation, but there's no, like, record actually of why the band broke up, but... The fact that three out of four members moved on to make this other band and only he didn't makes me feel like he kind of wanted to either go his own direction or he wasn't happy with the way that the, you know, the band was going. And so I just kind of wanted to hear like, what is it he wanted to make? What kind of music did he want to do after mm. the band broke up? So that's why I was really curious about this band, Mill Nuts. And I think, honestly, my opinion about this, you know, you said, Bob, it didn't really grab you. Um it grabbed me maybe because I only heard it now at this point in my life and I you know was kind of feeling nostalgic about going steady stuff but um it's kind of wild and unhinged this this whole album is just because it's it doesn't it feels like three different bands kind of trying to find their rhythm and they don't hmm. really quite congeal.
0: Oh uh, yeah.
2: So from song to song, it bounces in style and stuff like that. Um, it's still cool. There's some really cool, kind of wild songs on there. Um, so I do recommend it if any of those super nerds want to go and pick it up. It is kind of a fun listen. But I wish that they had done more I wish they had done another album or so to kind of find their, you know, their balance because it would have been a really cool band, to be honest.
0: Were there any other songs that had moments that jumped out to to you like ooh, I I Asai is killing it right here? Yes, but
2: not in a going steady sense. There were some other songs that were just kind of fun. um, Almost like there's some that have kind of a life ball feel to them. There's some that are more hardcore. Hmm. Um, I wonder when I see like the arc that he was doing, like like music wise, I kind of feel like he wanted to do more hard stuff maybe. But then when I listen to Guinan Boys, like it doesn't get more rough and (laughs) crazy than the first couple albums. So I don't know. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know. I, I it's it's hard to speculate. And that I really I really hope that at some point we can actually sit down and talk to him about all of this. But um
0: He follows me on Instagram, which I feel like I've told you guys, but I've been too scared to just like cold call him yeah. or cold <laughs> message him, just like, yo dog, you wanna be on our obsessively nerdy podcast for an English speaking <laughs> audience? Like that's super fucking weird, I feel like, to come out of nowhere. Do it for the good of the pod. That's right. I got that
2: tattooed on my arm for the good of the pod. Pods will
0: be done Alright, alright I should, I should reach out
2: Now you have an excuse You can play this episode for me and be like Yo, dog, we like did a deep dive into your musical canon (laughs) Did you feel it? (laughs) (laughs) Were your ears burning? So anyway, so this band, like I said, they didn't continue They they did the one album in 2004 and then that was it But um, two of those members So Ishimaru and... Asai. They left that band and they brought in some other members and they made a second band called Nia or Naya. I'm not sure how to read this one. Have you heard of this band, Bob? No, I think this is <laughs> beyond my scope of knowledge. All right, man, I can't believe I've out-nerded Bob. This rocks. <laughs> you can see he's, um, he's right there front, like prominent on the front cover. And so this band, they brought in people from a whole bunch of other bands as well. So it's another super group it's it's fronted by a female vocalist now um, some of the other bands on here they're not quite as at least for people like i mean at least for me they weren't as well known as like snail ramp and duck missile but everybody knows duck missile dude <laughs> two of the great animal uh, kingdom band names out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the other one super butter dog <laughs> yeah So anyway, um, this one doesn't really sound like Going Steady as much, but um, it does have a lot of the same chaotic energy that Going Steady had, I feel. And unlike Mill Nuts, this one, I feel, has more of a cohesive feeling to the whole album. It seems like they kind of gelled as band members more. So I'm going to play you a song from this, and this is called Daiji Datta. And this one is also uh, written by, at least part of it is written by Asai. So this one... Well, you can... That's ca- intense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. It is intense. Yeah, so it, it's got more of that kind of like... I almost feel like it has some of the, I don't know, like nuts and milk kind of stuff or like school jackets kind of energy to it more than going steady. Um, So, and this band... Uh, so, as I said, it has Ishimaru from Snail Ramp and it has... Uh, you know, Asai Takeo from Going Steady. It also has, uh, the vocalist is named Udi or Yuri from uh, Missile Girl Scoot. Do you know that band? Not me.
0: Heard the name. I don't think, never heard him.
2: Okay. And then uh, the drummer is a guy named Shige from a band called Full Trap. And then they also have another another person playing bass and keyboard is uh, named uh, Louis Ishioka. And he's from a band called Fanta Zero Coaster. So these bands are not... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> These bands are not as familiar to me. But anyway, this band this band NIA. So this was a follow up. Not really a follow up, but I mean it's you know, it's obviously Ishimaru and uh Asai had, you know, they enjoyed playing together to some extent because they went off and formed another band, so um, I'm not sure why they didn't keep going in the you know, as mill nuts, but um
0: it's strange to see the snail ramp and going steady uh Venn diagrams overlapping in another way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without just Gene, yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, Snail Ramp, it's kind of interesting because Snail Ramp in Japan in in America is not quite that well known, but here in in Japan, I think at one point they were almost like a household name. You know, they were playing on uh, you know, Space Shower TV and all kinds of like like mainstream musical TV shows here, I mean, here and um They were a major label band for sure. Yeah, yeah. They were big and, and I don't think they get as much credit as they deserve for what the contributions they made to, you know, 90s ska punk, uh, Japanese ska punk, at least not outside of the country. So so we're up to, like, about the year 2005, 2006 is how far, you know, this band was going. So, you know, we're a, maybe a good four, five years out from the breakup of Going Steady. And after that, it gets kind of hard to follow. Like, the trail is not quite easy to follow as far as what Asai was doing musically. But I did find something around the year 2008-2009 and this is not necessarily him playing music so much as him producing music so this is a band called Anarchy Stone <laughs> Alright, so yeah, this is a band called Anarchy Stone, as I said, and this was actually produced by Asai Takeo. So mm. and I don't I don't know exactly how involved he was, but I mean that intro sounds very much like a going steady song to me. I would say that lead
1: part uh, sounds significantly like one out of a going steady song, like it was perhaps performed by a member of Going Steady. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah,
0: no, totally. I for sure thought he was playing it too. Like the rest of the band is playing their regular thing, and he's like, "Let me play the lead." That's what it sounds like.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting that you guys say that because uh, when this song came out, he would very often come and play as a guest performer at, in their concerts, and he would he would actually do the lead there. So um, you may not Dude. be wrong. That recording actually could be him, even though the music video shows um, you know somebody else playing it.
1: Yeah. It it um, really does sound like him, and you know, honestly, I thought of that high um, high octave sound as like the frantic high octave sound as like a minetta thing, but I d- had not particularly thought it, that it may had always been an
2: aside thing. You mean the the that the leads like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I think it's definitely him because I don't honestly. I I think Mineta was more or less um, rhythm guitar exclusively, and you know a lot of time he was just throwing his guitar around and not actually playing it. So I, I feel like the guitar was really held together by Asai playing, and and then and Chin, you know, in later iterations of the band. So yeah, yeah, I think that that's definitely his thing, and I've you know honestly. I don't know if you picked this up from them, but I've noticed it in music that, you, that you've that you made, Mike, and I've noticed it in guitar players who have played in bands with you. It's kind of this infectious style of playing with the really high up there and the super fast kind of um, picking and stuff. I, I think that, that the first time that I'd heard people playing that way was definitely Asai. Yeah,
1: no same. Um I really always associated it with Going Steady and Guinea Boys, but I hadn't necessarily um pinned it to the the player within the band. And I think that that is um something really astute you just did. Yeah. Um at the time that I was really hearing Going Steady, I wasn't necessarily um picking which guitarist was playing one at the time. And and I think I had never fully um un uh gone back and and really like looked at that closely i think you're you're right about that yeah
0: mike you, you might be able to confirm or shed more light on this story but former guest of the show jeff rosenstock uh told me one time he was like dude i wrote this song i was so stoked on and then i realized it was just that going steady song and he was talking about ahondara koshin kyoku and the little like da na 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 the little the little guitar lead there oh yes i know exactly the guitar part you're talking about yeah 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 i was like dude subconsciously ripping off asai there it sounds like so to to speak to it being an infectious style no totally case of point right there
1: you're you're right entirely and and really i think that that yeah that style of guitar playing has really um you know it was something that i incorporated personally after listening to going steady early going steady before really before ginan boys was was really getting kind of big in my consciousness i guess i was just thinking about going steady really um and um yeah it has definitely lived on for sure <laughs> the uh the high tremolo um and in particular the high tremolo octave like that i i don't recall hearing other i don't recall hearing american bands many American bands doing a tremolo octave starting on the D string or above. Um, mm. That that was something that was distinct about Asai's playing, I think. It was that he would do the octave, the somewhat awkward octave where you have to move it out of the familiar hand pattern where it's just like a square and you take it up to the D string oh, yeah. and you have to stretch it out an extra fret. And that was the thing that really made Going Steady's guitars playing kind of distinct was that he like took it up there and was doing the octave up there really um to me at least that was always like a, the thing that really distinguished them from other like kind of punk bands of the time like guitar wise like uh, it was an, a technique that i hadn't consciously heard before um yeah, good job on giving Asani the credit he deserves. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I'm really glad to hear you say that because I've always sort of had that speculation. Like even hearing very early Shinobu songs, I always felt like, oh, that's kind of there's like a, the spirit of that guitar playing is kind of there in, in my in, in your guitar playing. So, um, and I've I've thought that about Jeff as well. Yeah, and I, honestly, when I think about like the fact that, as I said earlier mineta by his own confession didn't really know how to play guitar when they first started playing if he did get to that point where he was able to play that type of thing it's either due to him being you know like that fresh slate like not having other kind of guitar stuff to build off of that he would be able to do that or i just don't think it's possible you know i think that to be to be kind of that innovative with um, the guitar techniques uh, that's what makes me feel like it was a practiced hand doing it, to be honest. So Mm. I guess that kind of goes back to what my initial point was, is just that so much of the DNA of a Going Steady song really comes down to, I think, a lot of the instrumentation, at the very least the instrumentation, if not the actual song craft of Asai. So just hearing it in this band where he's not even necessarily, I don't know how involved he is in the crafting of this song, but you know when you hear like the vocals when this when the vocals kick in on this you can hear that that's very very different than the guitars it's almost juxtaposed in there in a really unsettling way um when i heard this band i thought it's not really for me i can see this being a jj band because he loves cute girls <laughs> playing instruments <laughs>
0: Hey, shout out, JJ. Shout out, JJ, who did the very uh, charismatic Mineta voice dubbing a few episodes ago. That's right. That's that's right, right. (laughs) yeah.
1: Dog people alum, JJ. That's
2: right.
0: Yeah, JJ's come up
2: on this show before, too, so I think he's a a familiar name for our listeners, but, I mean, for Mike's listeners, but... um, Right, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) They thank you as well. Yeah, but th- this sort of, um, I don't know, I don't really, it's not my style, this type of music with the kind of saccharine vocals and stuff, um, but the music itself before the vocals come in, I, I actually kind of like that. And I-, I did feel like it was very reminiscent of uh, late going steady kind of stuff. So It
1: does sound like two, this song in particular, sounds like two styles um, coming together, perhaps clashing, if you will, uh, depending on your um, perspective. I, w- I would say, <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it totally sounds like, uh, yeah, like a DIY Weezery kind of band, and then also sounds like a more polished J-pop band kind of afterwards. <laughs> it's kind of like right. Um, you you get like those two things kind of hanging at the same time, basically <laughs> in the song. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Can
0: I bring something up too? So after after you we heard that Nia song that was just like this blistering, like fast punk song, I love that the next band it's like, check out this band Anarchy Stone. And they sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> they're called Anarchy Stone, dude. I thought they would sound like freaking like Megadeth or something with yeah. a name like
2: that. Yeah, that's very true. Great band name though. It's interesting that you say that though, Bob, just because the, so that band um Nia, they're the, the, the song that I played for you is probably the most chaotic on there. Most of them do have a sort of similar sound to this. In fact, I'll play one for you right now, whether we actually keep this on the episode or not. I'll play you one of their other songs just so you can hear what it, most of them
0: sound like. We're keeping it all in, baby. <laughs>
2: So that's a song called "New Life" uh, by Nia, and and I I think her voice is way more compatible, if that's the right word for it, with this type of playing. Like it sounds like that kind of '90s. It doesn't sound J-poppy. It sounds like that like '90s style, um, you know, rock to me more than Anarchy Stone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anarchy Stone is straight up like friendly J-pop. Yeah, yeah. Just and like
2: an anarchy stone would be. Yeah, like you would expect. I mean, I don't know, know what you what you thought it would be. Yeah, um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of the naturally occurring stones in in uh, on the earth, the anarchy stone. Yeah. It's kind of J-pop influenced, a um, little bit of wizard. You know, anarchy stone. Dog, how did you get so
2: like smart about like geology?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I spent a lot of time on this earth.
2: The big stone, as I call it
1: (laughs) The big stone (laughs) You want to get into anarchy stones You got to start with the big stone Earth,
2: baby This will be our next podcast Where we just like have our hippy-dippy talks about Stones and rock (laughs) and stuff It's called rock for a reason, bro (laughs) Anarchy stone, rock music, the earth We talk about it all Well, anyway, I... I I, uh, I tracked uh, I tracked Asai's musical career up until about this time, you know, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, right around then, and then for the last ten years, it's really hard to find, um, you know, any, the, the trail kind of goes dead at that point. The only thing that I can tell you is I know that he's playing now in a band that's called Shukai no Hajimari, which means like the begin the base base of society or beginning of society, um, and, you know, I. After the band broke up, he was sort of simultaneously doing music, but also going his own way, which is now he is, you know, he's a, a chef or a cook. He he has a, a few restaurants in Tokyo, and um, so he went that path. And that's kind of cool, too, in its own way, seeing now we saw Chin having his second life as a, you know, as a priest, Buddhist priest, and as a farmer, and Abiko doing that as well, and then we talked to Murai, who's now you know a TV producer, and it's kind of cool to see like one of the first people to leave the band and go a completely different non-musical path was Asai. So hmm. um, I think maybe our finale episode, you guys will have to fly out here, and we'll all go and check out his Izakaya and 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 do a impromptu
0: interview on the spot. <laughs> Dude, that'd be sick. Sounds good to yeah. me. Send those tickets over, Adam. Mike, if you could take three weeks off of work, we fly to Japan, we quarantine for two weeks doing nothing in our hotel rooms, yeah. and then we get a week to hang out and go do this. Sounds, sounds, sounds uh, sensible, right? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up.
1: I'm just saying, Adam, send, send the tickets over and um, I'll, I'm down. I'm done.
2: I, done. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, you know, Bob, don't forget about my tattoo. Pods will be done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> In Pod's name, <laughs> <laughs>
2: so so I'm gonna play you guys a little bit of what uh, the band that he's in now. This is that band I told you called Shakai no Muddy, And you were saying earlier that that, that, that band uh, Naya had a, some pretty wildness. This is uh this is pretty unhinged. But here's here's concert footage of one of their shows. <laughs>
0: So, dude, I'm I'm kind of down with that. Yeah, they look cool. The thing about this is,
2: has nothing to do with the music. It just warms my heart to see that he's clearly still having fun playing music. Um, it's still a part of his life, and he's there. Those guys, like you, can see joy radiating out of them playing, and that kind of makes me feel like the old. The way we used to the way we talked about the way we felt when listened to Going Steady, like that there was just this energy coming off of it. Like they're having this like I remember thinking when I listened to Going Steady songs, like they're having fun in the studio. Like that sound, it doesn't sound canned, it sounds wild and and fun. And that was something that really appealed to me about the band. And seeing this, it's like, man, he's just he's just living his best life, man. <laughs> he's out there cooking good food, getting drunk. Playing these wild shows with his friends. I mean, you saw that the guy in the beginning, he was like, the, when he's making his comments to the crowd, he's like, It's a weekday. What the fuck are you doing here? Apologize to your parents. And then they start playing. So.
0: <laughs> 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 That's so tight.
1: Uh, and honestly, seeing that show too. Um, reminds me, just the the room itself and and the vibe in the room and the people packed in there reminds me of a lot of the videos that we would watch at the time that we were all getting really into these bands too, like videos of the early like school jacket shows and things like that, mm-hmm. where it's just clearly like this is not a gigantic room. It's like a cool room that you would love to be in Um, And if you are into this music, it doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter that there's not like 10,000 people there. It's like this music and this energy in this room and like the people who are making it and the dedication that they have to it kicks ass and and, like you want to be a part of it. And that was always the thing that was really inspiring to me about it. Yeah. And like, yeah, seeing that, it totally reminds me of a lot of the videos that Bob built, like you would download, you know, like off of... I don't even know what you were getting it off of then, like Audio Galaxy or something?
0: <laughs> Yo, WinMX,
1: dude, WinMX. Win
2: MX.
0: <laughs> deep cuts. You guys,
2: I had forgotten that Audio Galaxy existed. I was going to say like LimeWire and be like a, a fool.
0: LimeWire never had the goods. Kazaa never had it. Oh, Kazaa. You had to be on the deep cut ones. Yeah. Also, you guys know Soulseek is still the best place to download music. Like 20 years deep, Soulseek has everything still.
1: I'm not trying to uh put myself uh, out on the line here, <laughs>
0: but I've heard good things. <laughs> well, shout out Soulseek. This this episode brought to you by Soulseek. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um mike you were saying that that show reminds you of those videos and it's i don't know about that particular venue but i know that on his instagram he's he's always going and hanging out with the guys at the Shimokitazawa kitazawa shelter and that's where all those videos that we watched were from it, like that's like that you know all of these interviews that we've done like they're talking about how they had this idea of the gilman being this amazing place and like i think for us like Shimokitazawa kitazawa shelter was like oh man i gotta go there i gotta see like you know, that hip underground Tokyo scene. Um, and it's, you literally
0: took the words out of my mouth, Adam. I had this same thought like a minute ago and I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Like it's, it's a special place and it's really cool that it's still going and that he's friends with them and that he's like involved in the, you know, he, he goes like, even if he's not playing, he's always posting pictures of like the shows that he's going to see. Um, it makes me wonder if maybe that's, the reason that he left is that he was seeking something a little bit more intimate, you know, the, that going he mm. was getting to this level where, like I said, they were, they were topping the charts and they were headlining festivals. And I wonder if maybe that's not what he was after. And he wanted something that was a bit more, I don't know, um, cozy and stuff, perhaps, you know, that's just speculation.
0: I think, um, I can't remember if it was, uh, it was in Dance in the Farm. I think it was something you, you mentioned that Cheen had written in the book where he uh, he was talking about how at a certain point he wasn't interacting with fans who would come to the show in the same way. And he kind of realized that he had crossed over to a point where it wasn't so uh, so intimate or so, so much part of the community anymore. And it was, it kind of, I, I'm putting words in his mouth at this point, but it, it kind of crossed over into being a job. Yeah. Hmm. As opposed to like a, a passion,
2: yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think that's what we touched on with Abiko as well is like once he stepped away from the band as a job and once he stepped away from you know the band as an industry as like a as some as like this high profile thing, he eventually went back to music because of the community, yeah, you know, and going on tour with bands and stuff, and so it's almost like we're seeing these guys. All finding that joy of music again after they, you know, after they're not doing it at a certain level of success, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I did not even realize uh, about Asai's past afterwards, and and this actually really does, yeah, that it, it rings true with all those other stories as well. With I think pretty much everybody else who's been a part of this, like the. Um, You see, that dedication showing up again, really, kind of in the sincere way it did at first, Um, just in a new location or a new form, or um, just again, really. Um, And uh, it's really inspiring. No, that that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it it makes me happy. Like it, it makes me. I've always wondered what happened to him, and it makes me really happy to see that he seems to be living a really good content life doing everything he wants to be doing. So, so yeah, that, that is a, uh, that's where I wanted to take us today is the, the path of us. I just, I just thought, you know, us doing a comprehensive show about going steady and Ginnom boys and not covering what he has been doing. It seemed like, like we would be doing a show like about operation Ivy and rancid and not talking about common writer and stuff like that. Maybe, or, you know,
0: yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. So. Lord knows we talked about Classics of Love enough on this show. That's true. We <laughs> so. did
2: We did mention Classics of, of Love. That's true. Hey, let's talk um. about it again, guys. <laughs> hey, great band. <laughs> all right, well, that's what I got to say about um, our boy, Asai, until one day when Bob finally musters up the courage and gets an interview for us. Um, that's all we have for now to go off of is my speculation and deep dives. So
0: Someday. Well, until then, Bob. Thanks for listening, y'all. Tune in next week. Peace. Later. See
1: you.